Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, Kevin and Vicki Straharsky talk about the differences between multiple award contracts, multiple award schedules, and government-wide acquisition contracts. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Becoming a Skyway community member makes it easier to navigate the complicated world of government contracting because you gain context from Skyway's team of former contracting officers. As a member, you get unlimited access to the Ask a Contracting Officer forum and hundreds of articles, webinars, and training modules. Go to skywaymember.com to get started with a personal membership because without context, you're likely overlooking problems that you don't see. Okay, let's get started with Max, Maz, and GWAX. One of our customers told me that they, they said they need to be on Oasis or, or maybe a soup or Seaport E, one of these big government-wide acquisition contracts or other contracts vehicles in order for them to compete on a certain procurement. And the first question was, well, hang on, <laughs> does it apply? But on top of that, what are these? And so they started asking me and I thought, you know, it's a great episode for us to, to unravel the mystery of what are all these different GWACs versus MACs versus multiple award schedules. Not unusual, actually. Our, our customers hear it from contracting officers, program managers, and sometimes even on FedBizOps, they'll advertise a procurement that is going to be for GSA schedule holders only, for instance. And that's enough to freak them out because they think, oh, I can't bid on that. Whether or not they should be, different conversations. <laughs> True. There are actually like three different kinds of contracts that groups of contracts, if, if you will, and they, the terminology kind of gets mushy. Uh, you'll hear the term MAS contracts, and that's a multiple award schedule contract, or you'll hear MAX, and they're multiple award contracts, and then you'll hear GWAX, which is government-wide acquisition contracts, and they seem to be kind of thrown around and used interchangeably, and I think they sometimes are, maybe inaccurately, they really are not the same. And we're going to talk about some of the differences of these three different types of groups of contracts. So we're going to untangle what each of them is, how they're different, and then where to start, depending on how the differences are, where to start to get one if they're right for you. But first, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks to Preston Pugh, gave me some outstanding feedback on the podcast. Preston is an attorney in, in uh, Washington, D.C. He specializes in the False Claims Act, and he's also a Skyway community member. And what's cool is that the feedback from Preston gave me context, how he found the podcast, how he uses the content, and why he keeps listening. So it was really great. The direct feedback like that ensures we continue to get better because we bring content that you can use, that our listeners can use week after week. So thanks, Preston, for your time. Okay, back to unraveling the mass versus GWAC versus MAC mystery. Well, let's start with a mass contract, which is a multiple award schedule contract. A multiple award schedule contracts, they're long-term contracts, like 15 to 20 years. I mean, real long-term. They have multiple commercial companies to provide access to all federal agencies to buy commercial products and services. There are lots of them, like billions of dollars worth of stuff is bought through these multiple award schedules. And the idea is that there's volume discount pricing. And there are two agencies who award the mass contracts, right? That's right. The General Services Administration, or GSA, runs the federal supply schedules, which covers commercial products and services. 
So you won't find things that are specifically developed for the Department of Defense, for instance, like a tank or space shuttles for NASA on there. But you will find uh, everything from toilet paper to high-end engineering and development support services on the uh, GSA schedules. The Veterans Administration, or the VA, awards schedule contracts for medical supplies and services, sort of in tandem with the GSA. So the two of the, the two agencies, GSA and VA, run the supply schedules. So do the, the VA multiple award schedules, do, do they operate exactly the same as the GSA ones, just for different things? They do, and it's focused specifically on medical-related supplies and services run by the VA. Okay. So, but anybody can buy off of it. For instance, DOD can buy medical supplies, medical services off of that schedule as well. And you and I talked about GSA schedules in general and, and federal supply schedules in a previous episode. So there's, there, there's, there's more meat to this, but we're just covering the highlights. The main thing to rem- remember about schedule contracts is that they're available to all federal agencies and, and even some state agencies can buy off of them for purchasing pre-priced products and services. They can even use task orders, purchase orders, delivery orders, and, and even credit cards. You can just click and buy. And companies can bid for these anytime? Like they can get on a schedule anytime? Yes, absolutely. The solicitations traditionally are open all the time. Once a solicitation by, has been issued by GSA for a group of products or group of services, and there are about eight or nine of them out there right now that are open on a continuous, and I mean years open, solicitation, and all they do is refresh them every so often. On occasion, they do close one, and it's because they have so many of a particular product or service that they will close a solicitation or they will close a a particular line item that they won't be purchasing or won't be allowing to be put on the schedule for a while because they just have so many. So realistically, while they're open all the time, as the GSA gets too many companies that do the same thing, who have GSA contracts, they could close it. Yeah, there's no, there's no magic secret of when that's going to happen. But it's interesting because I, I think I heard some stat that there used to be like, you know, 10,000 GSA schedule contract holders. And then there's like 20,000 or 50. The numbers just keep growing to the point of GSA now has all these standards. And we talked about that in the last episode. You have to use it a certain amount or they kick you off. I mean, there's a, there's a culling process that's in the herd. But once the herd's too big, they may actually close it and say, okay, we're not going to have any more GSA scheduler contracts for this particular service. Okay, let's jump to the GWAC. The GWAC is a multiple award, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. Paul and I have done episodes about how the IDIQ contracts work. But what this does, what a GWAC does, is it allows all federal agencies, similar to the GSA schedule, it allows all federal agencies to purchase a specific set of products or services under a single contract during a, but here's the, here's the catch, during a specific period of time. To make it even more confusing, the GSA actually runs many of the well-known GWACs. For instance, they run Alliant for large business and small business, which is customized for IT solutions. They run STARS 2, it's for 8A only, and SDBs for IT services. 
and they run Oasis, which of course is the most well-known right now. They are not, interestingly, run by the same group that runs the GSA schedules, and nor are they related to the schedules. So you have to keep in mind this is a separate contract designed for a specific purpose. And there's sometimes, actually, you're going to hear another term that's thrown in. Occasionally, you'll hear the term multiple award task order contract or MATOC. So just to make things even more complicated, you now have another acronym floating around. (laughs) Unlike multiple award schedules, these solicitations are not continuously open. I mean, they're driven by somebody's specific requirement, somebody being a government agency. And they have an actual RFP with on-ramps and off-ramps and stuff like that, right? What they do, though, to keep it fresh is they have what they call an onboarding process, which happens, seems to be unique to GWACs. So they, they will actually open up a particular pool, another term that is very GWAC-oriented, and they will allow you know, new offers to submit proposals to get onto Oasis, say, Pool 1 or Pool 3. And they may be for small business or for large business. And they do it in a, in a random pattern as to when they need new companies to come in. And they'll actually let companies who haven't been participating, who haven't been winning, they'll actually cancel their contracts. They'll drop them off. So they won't uh, award the option and, and they'll go ahead and bring on new, new companies who can perform better. And so, as you can tell, Oasis is one of these GWACs. It's, a, it's one of the bigger ones, but it's one. And by the way, Oasis stands for One Acquisition Solution for Integrated Services. Really big statement. And that, that Oasis covers a variety of professional services, I mean, from program management, engineering, financial services, uh, scientific services. Basically, it's a lot of stuff except for IT, right? Yeah, no IT on this one. They've got several other IT contracts. Like I said, the the uh, Alliant, they've got Bets 2, they've got Stars 2, but uh, Oasis is for pretty much other professional services. And we'll, we'll do at some point, we'll do a separate episode. We could do a whole series about these. I think we'll do a separate one about Oasis because it's so big. And we, have a, we actually have a LinkedIn group called Oasis, and we've got you know, a couple hundred members in there. So let's jump to what is a MAC. That's a multiple award contract. The multiple award contract is by an agency to meet a specific need of that department or agency. And so this one does not have the ability of anybody to order off of it. You got to go through the one agency that owns it. For instance, the Seaport E, which is well known, the Seaport E is run by the Navy and provides a tremendous variety of services for the Navy. While other agencies can get some services off of Seaporty, they have to actually get the Navy, they have to use the Navy system in order to do that. It's two of the biggest differences between a government-wide acquisition contract and a multiple award contract, the big ones, is the task and delivery orders are awarded by the multiple award contract, the contracting office, not other procurement official offices not other procurement offices. And the way to think of that is that if you have a distributed ordering process, meaning that anybody can award off of this contract, i.e. a GWAC or a multiple award schedule, a multiple award contract does not allow you to do that. You got to go through the one contracting officer or contracting officers in that one agency who own the contract. And the other piece is the solicitations are not continuously open. And, And there usually isn't 
a on-ramp or off-ramp. It's like you talked about an oasis. You can come in, you can come out, et cetera, et cetera. That's not how a multiple award contract works. It's usually going to be a lot fewer companies. Like it could be as few as, I mean, I've done them as few as three companies. And they tend to be shorter periods of time. A traditional multiple award contract with a smaller agency, it may be five years. It may be a base plus four years. So it's a shorter window. We started with a really big, wide open multiple award schedule. And then we narrow that down to a government-wide acquisition contract that has a smaller scope, although it may still be huge. And then you end up with a multiple award contract, which can have a really narrow scope and have only a few companies on it, or it can still be wide. But this is why it's so confusing. It surely is. One example of a MAC is the DOJ, Department of Justice, what they call Mega Four, is a MAC. It provides a variety of legal services to support their law offices within the DOJ. They provide like e-discovery and paralegal services and litigation support services. And yeah, and, and that's a niche. You know, it's only for paralegal services and other, you know, automated litigation stuff, right? But it's for you, it's to provide services to the U.S. attorneys. That, that's a niche, even though it's a big niche. <laughs> that's the beauty of government contracts. Even the smallest niche can still be, you know, nine digits. Okay, let's zoom out to the time zones. It's not quite as clear as the time zones usually are. Let me zoom out and start with when is this decision made to use a GSA schedule versus a multiple award contract, et cetera. That's going to be made probably during the market research zone, maybe during the requirement zone a little bit, but realistically, once you have the requirement and you decide, okay, this is what we're going to buy, then you can look at GSA and go, oh, is there a schedule for that? Or is there already a government-wide contract that I can buy that off of? Or does my, my agency already have a multiple award contract that can buy that off of? That's part of the acquisition strategy. Those decisions happen in the market research zone. However, which what the contracting officer standard answer of it depends, well, this is one of those it depends moments. Part of this, we talked about a multiple award schedule. It's continuously open. So it's not really the same calculus because the market research decision to use a GSA schedule was made by an agency. Say that the Department of Defense needs to buy a service. They're going to decide that for their acquisition, they're in the market research zone. But keep in mind that the multiple award schedule is always there. So it's a tool they're using. So that's why people get confused and they say, well, what's the, what's the time zone application for a multiple award schedule? Well, it might be one of the few times that there isn't one because it's always there. <laughs> Unless, like you mentioned, if it closes, if it's one of those GSA schedules, it closes. In addition, the agencies who are maybe going to use the GSA schedule will actually advertise on FBO in their sources sod or their RFI or whatever and say, if you own, if you're on a GSA schedule, tell us which schedule you're on. And what item numbers and what schedule, what contract do you have? They're actually including that as part of their market research to find out if you're on one, not only the GSA schedule, but if you're on one of these GWACs as well, for instance, Oasis or one of the others. And that's a, that's a phenomenal point. That as a contracting officer, when you're doing the research to decide who can actually make this for us, one of the decision trees which may or may not be documented or may, may or may not even be considered by industry is you got to figure out which of these schedules can I buy this off of? Can the companies that we know can do it, like for example, the incumbent, are they on that schedule? That's an indicator, by the way. If the incumbent's on that schedule, that's an indicator that it might be the right schedule. Okay, so back to, so the multiple award schedule is, is a squirrely animal that doesn't really fit into the acquisition time zone model. So the rest of the however is the GWACs. 
The GWACs more closely resemble the acquisition time zones. They award the original contract, but then they might refresh it. They might they may resolicit it, but it's not going to have changed that much. So it's almost like they're 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 rolling through the acquisition time zones more quickly because they know this is a wide contract. It does lots of things. So we don't have to rewrite the requirement based on what has happened in industry as closely. Compare that to a multiple award contract. In that case, yes, that is a traditional contract, just happens to have multiple awardees. So the time zones will apply to that one. So you're still going to have your market research, your RFP zone, your source selection zone. Okay, why is this important to government contracting in general? It's another way for, for the government to buy, and for that matter, for an industry to sell. It's part of the acquisition strategy. These are decisions that are made during the market research zone that affect the journey of the contract. It can streamline the particular procurement cycle immensely if the product or the service is already on a GSA schedule, for instance, or if it's on one of these GWACs, then the main competition has already been concluded and the, and the contract's awarded. So just floating the task order out to a group of already pre-awarded contracts can be a lot quicker than, uh, than going through the whole process. And, and why it's important to me is not understanding that this is how your customer buys. That, that can be, a, it's a critical failure. I mean, if you honestly don't know that that's how the customer, the customer you're targeting, the agency you know buys your stuff, if you don't know that they're using a GSA schedule to buy it, you can't get there from here. You're, you're, pass, you're going to be like trains passing in the night. You're never going to connect. So why does the government care? I mean, why do federal agencies in general care? Because it's so, it can really make things so much easier and quicker in order to buy the particular products and services that they need. They can solicit quotes from only companies holding a particular contract under a particular uh, GWAC, for instance, or under a particular schedule. So there's only, there's going to be a greatly reduced number of, of competitors, and they've already been vetted, if you will, because they hold that contract. So it can make it quite a bit easier for the particular purchasing agency to buy. And now, of course, the agencies can even use set-asides under GSA schedules for only hub zone or only women-owned or only small businesses and stuff. So that changed not too awfully long ago. So now they can even run it and, and, and do small business set-asides. Yeah, I remember some of them easier, easy in quotes, uh, acquisitions that I did were through GSA contracts or through multiple award contracts. I did a multiple award contract for services and it was with three companies that, that had won. And so they competed each time for the work for that. There was a multiple award task order. And the beauty of it is I, I already knew all of them could do it. You know, it's like a down select strategy that, that goes on for five years and, and they're competing back and forth and there's, you know, there's nuance to it. But the fact is I, I as a contracting officer, I'm, sh- I'm fishing, I'm fishing in a really small pond for the person or persons who can do this work. And that saves me a lot of time. So let's flip the coin over. Why does industry care? Well, we're back to the streamline. For your customer to be able to buy from you faster, that's good for you too. <laughs> I mean, it reduces the potential competitive pool. It makes things so much easier when you know who you're competing with. So in this scenario of those three companies, you only have two competitors. Heck, you get a, statistically, I guess you could say you have a one in three chance, although that's not how, quite how it plays out. But a lot of this comes down to if you have these, these, the right one of these contracts, you have a huge competitive advantage. And that's key, having the right one. Because if you don't, then you might not even know that it was actually procured. 
if the Navy decides to buy through Seaport E, for instance, then there's no requirement for them to advertise it on FedBizOps. It will simply go out to those companies who own those particular contracts, and you'll never see it. Yeah, and that's a frightening scenario. So last piece of this is, is okay, once we decide that we want to get on one of these contracts, because we figured out that our agency buys it, our target agency, how do we get on one of them? For the multiple award schedules, you go to FedBizOps and you find the correct solicitation and you download all of the documents that go with it. And I always caution people to read the Read Me First document first that GSA puts out for each of its solicitations. For GSA schedules, that's the way that you do it. And there's only about eight or nine, like I said, of GSA solicitations right now that you actually have to you know, find the right one. And we talked a lot about that in the episode that you and I did about GSA schedules. Okay, so what about GWACs? There's usually an on-ramp process. And, and like I mentioned previously, OASIS has pools of types of services, and they will open for new proposals to be submitted for a particular pool, and then we'll advertise it on FedBizOps and say there will be an on-ramp for OASIS Pool 1 and they'll give you a time and a date that you can watch for the uh, announcement and that they will then take proposals submitted. And, uh, and there will be a closing date on that too as well. So you have a competitive proposal process. And then they will have another pool that will open at another time. One of the things that is recommended is, that we recommend is that you start by finding the original solic- solicitation for Oasis and get very familiar with it because everything is going to be based on that original solicitation. If you're going to need a team in order to, to get on the OASIS, and you may well want to have a team on there, start lining them up now and getting the agreements in place before the on-ramp opens. You don't want to have to be scrambling for, for teammates once the on-ramping has started for that pool. So get your teaming arrangements established and start working on your documentation in advance. Yeah, what we talked about, the episode I did with Brian Butler, he talked about it being proactive. You know what's going to happen? The Oasis is going to come out and you're going to need a teaming partner and, you, and you're going to need to understand the solicitation and you're going to need to do the proposal. To know those things are going to happen, but to get ahead of them is, is the difficult part. GWACs have much more of a, of a schedule to them than the multiple award schedules. Okay, so then what about the multiple award contracts? So how do you get on one of those? Multiple award contracts, I usually recommend that you find the previous solicitation that was issued four or five years ago and look at that and get very familiar with it because the resolicitation of it will be probably very similar. Not the same. Everybody learns and they change the solicitation up not only to refresh it, but, but to add requirements, delete requirements and things like that. But get as familiar as you can with that particular agency's solicitation that they put out for their particular MAC and uh, review the requirements and uh, start teaming. If you're going to need a team, get your team going. Most of the MACs and the, the MAC solicitation will tell you uh, how long the contracts were awarded for. And in fact, you're going to usually find the, the awarded contracts, the MACs, who the contractors are and stuff on their particular website. You can do a lot of preparation for it. Don't wait. Yeah, it was awarded four years ago. That means they're going to be soliciting probably this year in order to make award for next year. And, and the multiple award contracts are the ones that you have the biggest chance of being able to shape them. Yeah, I would say that's true. You have the ability to get in and at least talk to them about it. And, 
for instance, if they've got, if they haven't set aside a, a group of contracts for small business only, for instance, then perhaps you can get in and as a small business, you can add your voice to the other small businesses who would like to have or would like to see a separate solicitation for only small businesses for a particular piece of that action. And then maybe the rest can be full and open. That's why starting early is so important. And particularly for the multiple award contracts, that's where we spend a lot of time helping our clients pick the right ones. You know, are they going to structure this thing, this contract, the same way that they did last time? How can you change it to your advantage? How can you understand it so that you can actually change the parts that apply to you? That's what the shaping process is. One of the many differences here is that the, a multiple award schedule with a GSA, you're not going to be able to shape the evaluation criteria of that. I mean, it's just too broad. Very, very unlikely to, I'll say it that way. On the GWAC, again, because it, it's government-wide, it has a wide requirement, how they effectively execute each one of those task orders, maybe. But realistically, the contract overall, it's really big, it's really wide, they can't listen to everybody. Whereas a multiple award contract, because of the specificity of it, and it only applies to, like the example you gave of the Department of Justice, how you hire a paralegal, how you evaluate paralegals and an automation software that looks through legal cases, that specificity that they can get behind if you come to them and say, this is what we do for a living. Here's the evaluation we think you should use, or here's a couple small businesses that you should set aside a portion for. That's a big difference here. Knowing the difference between when you can actually influence something is huge. All right. So let's wrap this up before we get more down more rabbit holes. So the final points for me is on the government side. There are lots of options, lots of multiple award schedules, lots of multiple award contracts, lots of different ways you can do this. We actually had one where the, the work went from being a traditional multiple award contract and it went directly to GSA Alliance Small Business. And all of a sudden, the people who were primes on it couldn't even see it because they weren't on the GSA Alliance Small Business contract. And so be aware of that on the government side of if you move it there, Make sure you know the people you, you think should compete for it are actually there. On the industry side, again, there are lots of options. Don't try to understand them all. That's what Vicky's here for. <laughs> she, she has the nuance of all of them. But you got to target the ones that your customers use and let them know. If you say, hey, I know you use this one. I know that the work that, that we do is on this one. We're on there. Did you know that? That, that is a very different approach. And to add to it, uh, there's always new GWACs and new MACs that are springing up all the time and, or, and some that have long expired and, and were never recompeted. They found that they went elsewhere and might have even gone to GSA schedule, for example. And with that, we got to stop talking before we spend six hours <laughs> talking about GSA schedules. All right. Thanks, Vicki. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. That's it for this episode. If you need help navigating the world of Max, Maz, and GWAX, visit AskSkyway.com to learn how Skyway can help because Skyway helps companies like yours win business. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.